It's time for a smashing cast from the present. Produced by Michael, the Exo Paradigm Gamer. Consulted by Haydox, the uh, Haydox. Supervised by Ryan, the Rye Rule. And directed by Dan, the King K. It's the Unversed cast. So let's go ahead and do our roll call, friends. I'm Michael. Haydox. I'm fashionably late. I'm Patchy the Pirate. And we're, um, the Unverse cast. Uh, so last time, <laughs> we did part was one of intro. our end-of-the-year gaming discussion. And in this episode, we're going to continue that discussion from where we left off. because uh, there are plenty of games that came out this year that we've got to talk about. Um... Yeah, and I think where we left off, like, one of the last ones we talked about... The last game I think we talked about was... Last Let's Detective we ended Pikachu. On Let's Go. Yeah, Let's Go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, so, so... So why don't we start a cycle? EXO, what is a game <laughs> that you played this year that you thought was a good game or a bad game? Game. We're going in the Ryan fashion of passing the bong, or the more YouTube-friendly term, the crack pipe. <laughs> uh, I played a game called Detroit Become Human. Uh, it was running, What did you think of it? It was a running gag on this show up until its release, like ever since it was oh, revealed. Yeah. Or I was like, that. that looks fucking stupid. And King K was like, well, it was made by the guy who made Indigo Prophecy and uh, that thing with the origami killer. It was probably going to suck. The and thing, yeah. Heavy Rain. Yes, that's the one. And then um, the game came out. And, and he also made Beyond Two Souls, but, you know. Oh, yeah, that's right. Fake Hadox, gamer alert. And Hadox <laughs> said something about uh, a ghost while a character was preparing for a date or something. Yes. That was funny. Yes, in Beyond Two Souls, uh, a young woman takes a shower <laughs> as the ghost woman. goes around. <laughs> yeah, in Beyond Two... <laughs> in, um, in Beyond Two Souls, you, you have a girl and the ghost of Willem Dafoe. Yeah. And that's what the game is about. <laughs> Ellie, you and I can rule this town. <laughs> or we can destroy! So, yeah, so basically, I know nothing about David Cage's gameography, if that's what you would call it. Gameography? Like the, Holy shit, I'm running that down. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, the other projects he's worked on. You know, um, gaming, but, gamer, gameology, the study of gaming. Alright. First grade, EXO! First what grade. you guys have been telling me about David Cage, it sounds like most of his games, like the shower scene you just described, are silly and also take themselves too seriously at the same time. So it's, you know, like at best they were kind of schlocky and you enjoy them because they're kind of embarrassingly bad. Yeah, basically. Um, so that's... I guess so. There are certainly people out there who like David Cage games for their... <laughs> their purpose but you know mm -hmm. i don't know how i don't know how people out there like heavy rain because of the actual plot yeah. I, I feel like most people like heavy rain because it's hilarious okay so that so i basically came into this game because like when i saw the trailer at the 
E3 conference, like maybe it was last year or the year before. Uh, I thought it looked unironically good. And then I was like, I'm interested in this. And you guys are like, oh, David Cage, it'll probably be stupid and silly. And so I was like, okay, so I came into also, it expecting. David Cage is a bad person. But, you know, okay. True. <laughs> and I still don't really know why, because nobody's, I have not found anything about it. I can, I can tell you one thing that he did. Um, <laughs> without even going into the details of the entire debacle, one thing that he did in Beyond Two Souls is in that game there is a <gasps> naked model of Ellen Page, I think is her name. Yeah, and she did not consent to that. Um, oh, so that was one thing that happened. You can kind of imagine some other things that have happened with David Cage. <laughs> He's. Yikes. That's that's why that's why I think I can't speak for Hadox, but that's why I in particular whenever his games come up That's why I would always tell you like David Cage. He's not He's a bad <clears throat> person and he makes bad games and That's all that's the only frame of reference you could have as someone who knows about that stuff and has played his games You know like looking at this new one. It's like what's gonna make this any different from the other ones? <laughs> it, it, see the, the problem is that it's so It's so just not it, Every one of David Cage's games are bad um, If you google David Cage bingo, you'll find this really funny <laughs> image and it's like <laughs> there there's it, it's so indicative of all the bad things that he does in his games like there's always a creepy shower scene there's always this ancient conspiracy there's like stilted dialogue remember this from the last game noble homeless people daddy issues <laughs> hanging <laughs> around in lingerie and it's like it, mm -hmm. i don't know it's just so fucking stupid like uh. All well, right. so then, well, okay, so putting aside like David Cage's reputation or whatever his name is, how does Beyond or not Beyond Detroit Become Human? How does it fare? How did okay. you like it? So, like leading up to the release of this game, I was kind of joking about it because you guys, I was the only one who was like unironically interested in it because, for better or worse, I know nothing about David Cage, mm -hmm. um, and so I was kind of, I was kind of hoping for one of two things: either the game would be what it says on the tin and be like you know an exploration of the humanity of androids and you know build that world have an interesting conflict explore interesting issues like what if this was actually a thing or it would be so fucking stupid that it would be entertaining in that way and what I got was actually the former which surprised me and it sounded like King K played it and was surprised too that it's more restrained than other David Cage's other games. Yes, I would agree. And but it. Mm. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know, Chief. This ain't it for me. Uh, it's like, all right. Detroit is probably the best game that he's made, but it doesn't like. I remember in like being interested intrigued by it when I first beat it and I was like huh I, I kind of resonate with this on a first playthrough you know I yeah. remember tweeting about it like because it, it to its credit it does some interesting things um, I remember you get to a choice about like 
when you're Marcus, without going into specifics, you get a choice about like how you want the revolution to proceed at its big climax. Yeah. And I ha I do have to admit that I was sitting there for a while, like I actually don't know what I would choose. Like I had to go through the ramifications of both decisions and I'm like yeah these could these have like consequences both ways it's not like a good or bad choice here it's not like in mass effect where you <laughs> you pick between like being like you pick Paragon between the two or extremes yeah yeah in this it was like two choices one one seems like it would be obviously good but it might not be because the other choice it's not that it's bad and good it was a choice between like restraint and radical kind of like yeah so i was i liked that but i guess the problem with the framework of the game is that i realized i played it again and i realized that i only really care about like that choice was only interesting in the context of the entire revolution i don't give a fuck about Marcus, I gotta be honest, I don't really care about a lot of those characters. So, and that's the pervading problem for me with Detroit is that it does have a lot of interesting choice moments. Like there's one where Connor has to, is chasing one of the, um, I forget what her name is, but she's the female protagonist. Kara? Kara? Yes. He, Connor has to chase her across a, city street that has a bunch of cars in it and what's really unique about this that I haven't really seen a game do before is that you play as both Connor and Kara and they both yeah. have conflicting motives like they both you have conflicting goals because you're playing as both of them at the same time yeah so you have to make sure that Kara escapes but you also have to make sure that Connor catches Kara you know it's it's a direct opposites at play there and it, I didn't know how to feel because <laughs> I was like, well, I want Kara to get away because I don't want her to get captured by the police, but I also want Connor to do good because I like Connor. And he's like the only character that I actually legitimately like alongside Mr. Krabs. But <laughs> <laughs> Hank. Yeah, I thought yeah. Connor and Hank's relationship was like the driving force of the game. Uh, See, but yeah. the, the problem is that I, I just, I hate... A lot of the shit made me feel uncomfortable to play. Like, um, there's the the sex robot people, and like, yeah. it, uh, you, I, I don't remember if you can let them escape without harming them. You can. You can. It's, it, uh, there's there's a lot of scenes like that where I'm like, I don't know, David Cage. This is a weird direction that you're stringing me along into. And, uh, maybe, maybe, I mean, this is coming from the guy who thought Far Cry 5 is, is engaging as hell because it's so weird and bad, but there's something about David Cage's games, specifically in De Detroit Become Human that I just can't ever get behind. Mm-hmm. I would like to hear Michael. Yeah, I was going to say, because, like... He, it sounds like he genuinely likes it, and I want to hear... The yeah. reasoning yeah. for it. Well, and as I, a guy who doesn't really know anything about the game and who just like who saw the premise and I'm just like, you know, I don't like this premise. I don't like what I'm seeing because I think I know what you're doing and I'm not gonna 
get near that because I try to avoid that kind of stuff when I play video games, but I want to hear from somebody who actually does like it because I haven't really heard anything about it. So, I'm by all means. Um, well, one thing I should stress is I only did one run of the game and that uh, there are actually a lot of different choices you can make and uh, the story can change radically depending on what you do. Like, don't quote me on this, but I think it's possible for Kara to die out early in the story and never come back. But I'm probably yeah. wrong about that. No, or, you're right. I, no, you're right about that. Yeah. With um, uh, Zalako, so, she'll die. Yeah, or you know, one of the earlier missions where you're given a choice about whether or not you want to help another character. I'm trying not to spoil too much, but that was something I really liked because like, uh, the way I put it on my Twitter is that this is the game that Telltale Games wished they could make. Because they're always like, your choices matter. And then it's just like, in the first season of Walking Dead, no matter what you choose, they steal some food from a truck on the side of the road and then that comes back to haunt you. So that wasn't your choice. You know what I mean? And it's like, Clementine will remember that, but it doesn't fucking matter. You know? In Detroit, your choices fucking matter. And they all build towards something. Like, uh, in terms of the Connor and Hank arc, you're given lots of different opportunities to learn more about Hank, and then that all comes to... That knowledge comes in handy later on in the story, uh, where you make a big choice, and that has a great deal of impact on the outcome. And like... Uh, King K said there were some choices that were legitimately difficult to make because uh, like you're kind of I hate to, to kind of boil it down to this but you're given kind of like a Martin Luther King versus Malcolm X kind of direction you can take with Connor's revolution like do you want to be peaceful and you know just have marches and stuff or do you want to break shit and fight the police and you know it's difficult because, you know, and what I really appreciated about Detroit was its world building. I think most of all, like just the way that this futuristic Detroit looks and how um, there are like these weird little iPad things you can find with articles that tell you more about like the lady, the, the female president who's in action. There's like a war. Uh, or a conflict between the U.S. and Russia that's boiling up over, I think, the Arctic or Antarctic. You know, like you could read... Then there are a whole bunch of articles talking about different applications that these androids have been created for. Like, there's this one that talks about how space exploration, well, we don't need to send humans up to space and bring them back if we could just send androids up to space and then just fucking leave them up there when we're done. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so there, you know, there was a lot of detail put into this world. And, you know, there, there's also the obvious, well, if androids exist and they look human and can do anything that a human can do, why do we need, you know, blue collar workers anymore? And so there's a lot of displacement and that that's kind of a source of animosity for uh, people like Kara's owner who... Uh, was basically fired and lost his job because androids replaced, you know, that low-wage work. Which, I don't know, I don't know how expensive it is to manufacture an android and how, whenever this takes place, but, you know. Uh, and, you know, sort of the main theme of the game is, you know, can something that is not human 
and is mechanical be alive? And that's kind of the central conflict that undergirds everything throughout the game. Like Hank's whole deal is he's, for lack of a better term, racist against androids to start off with. And, you know, depending on the choices you make, that can change or not change. Uh, and, you know, and, you know, that feeds into Connor's revolution as well. He wants humans to recognize androids as living th things with rights. And there's a lot of resistance to that, and, and I think this is one of the things where the game isn't as effective as it could be, because I feel like the player has too much empathy for the characters they're playing as to really side with the people who don't see them as living things, you know? Because the androids look too human. I know how to explain it. Like, if they made them a little more robotic looking, it might have worked a little better in that regard. Uh, so that you could still kind of see both sides, but as it was, I personally was like, oh no, they're obviously alive to me. <laughs> and I, yeah. I appreciated that there were so many different directions the story could go. I appreciated that my choices actually mattered. The presentation and the voice acting were really well done. Like I think Lance Hendrickson is in this game as uh, Marcus's original owner. And he gives a really solid performance that provokes interesting ideas about... Like, there's a part where he has Marcus... Uh, like, uh, Lance Hendrickson's character is an artist, uh, who, who and a painter, and he has Marcus paint something. And that was really interesting and provocative, because it's just like, what would a mechanical being create that they would consider art? And that was... You know, there are lots of wonderful little moments like that, and even the stuff with the uh, the sex robots that uh, Hadox was talking about. If androids existed, they probably would be created for this sort of purpose. Like, we already have already shit have. like real dolls, and you know, all sorts of blow-up dolls, all sorts of stuff like that. If androids existed, they would make sex robots. <laughs> it was all in service of yeah, the world building. And... See, but the problem, that's all well and good. I think Detroit Become Human has some good world building. But the thing is, it, it to me, it just feels like a world. It doesn't have the story engagement I, I would like from it. Because I play the game to okay. completion, and you noted, I want to respond to this point, you noted a little earlier on about the comparison to Telltale. Like... The, I will agree that you have more choice in this game than you do in a Telltale game. However, comma, specifically for the first season of The Walking Dead, yeah, you didn't really have a choice, but the thing is, it was effective because the narrative of Lee just trying to survive and the fact that everything you do is put into the framework of in front of Clementine, you know, I, I that's much more interesting than Kara romping around with a child and this okay. dude I'm, or this I'm other going man starting a revelation. Disagree there. I thought I will I will agree with King K insofar as I thought Marcus was the least relatable character <clears throat> or the least interesting. I don't know how to put it. Like I thought the revolution he was guiding was interesting and the you know the other characters who were all kind of vying to you know, like, they're all kind of advising him on what to do. You have uh, the one 
a woman who's very violent and anarchistic, and you have the one, uh, I think his name is Simon, who's very pacifistic. I thought the revolution was much more interesting than Marcus himself. He's just kind of a, you know, but I thought Connor and Hank's relationship, like I really wanted Hank to like me. I saved him every single opportunity I had because I cared about that. I thought Kara and, God, what's the kid's name? Why can't it, that, I don't think that's a good sign if I can't remember her name, but you know, I thought her relationship in the motherly relationship she builds up with uh, the girl was really interesting and I wanted to see them survive and get away. And there's a really tense scene towards the end, depending on what choices you make, where they're basically fucked uh, and they're gonna die. And you feel like shit that you couldn't have prevented that. Um, and there's a twist that happens regarding that subplot that I genuinely did not see coming, even though I should have. Uh, that legitimately caught me off guard. Usually I'm pretty good at predicting this stuff by now because I've just read and played enough stuff. But I was like, oh, well, shit. I can't believe I didn't see that coming. I really should have. So I thought... Yeah, I, know, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. It actually caught me off guard, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... I like I wanted to see them get away. I wanted to see them live happily after happily ever after. I thought their relationship was really endearing, and you know, you being in control of her, and, you know, and it's like uh, King K said that chase sequence where you play as both of them at once, and it's like I personally liked both Connor and Kara, and wanted to see both of them succeed in some way. So it's like, what the fuck do I do here? It was genuinely, you know, tricky. And, um, uh, there are lots of, uh, concept art and models and stuff you can unlock, like, it adds replay value. You keep playing the, uh, uh, if you can go back and make different choices and you get points and you can unlock stuff. So it's like another incentive to keep going back and trying other choices. Like, um, if other games hadn't come out this year and other stuff hadn't come up, I probably would have played, uh, Detroit a lot more. And I want to say... The graphics in this game look really nice, uh, and the soundtrack is really good, uh, you know, for what it is, for this kind of game. Like, I thought, you know, as far as story games, base game, like, what I was expecting was complete schlock, based on what you guys had described. Like, lots of gratuitous, um, sex scenes, really stupid dialogue, stuff like that. And that's not really what I got here. I was genuinely engaged with Detroit Become Human. And yeah. And from what it sounds like, the reason that it succeeds better uh, than other games in a... I've got to delete this because those feet are driving me nuts. Uh, and nobody, nobody watched this. Is, like, Hadox posted this gif of Max's feet in the Goofy movie popping out of his shoes, and it's like literally giving me the chills to have to look at that. Um, Sonata, you got to put that up the entire episode until this point. Um, Holy shit. Yeah, I mean, I like to Detroit Become Human. It's one of my favorite games of the year. I'm just going to go ahead and I, put it there. I, I wanted to... I agree, actually, with a lot of your points, Michael. Because I'm not as hard on this game. Because there are moments in it that really got me. Like the ones that I've already brought up. And the world building as well, I agree, is actually really good. Like, 
I could believe that that is our future, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think the problem that I ran into with it is that the story itself only fully engaged me with Connor and Hank's side. And I could feel that really egging on me as the game went on, because whenever... It's not that I don't like Kara, because I, I enjoyed the story, but it's like... Whenever I would switch to Kara or Marcus, I'd be like, I want to go back to yeah. Connor and Hank. I can kind I was, of understand that, yeah. It was... Because I agree, I wanted... <laughs> most of my feelings in that game were I really wanted Hank to like me, or to like Connor, rather. Yeah. And so I, I really tried for that, and I got an ending that I liked because of that. The other two stories felt like I was going through the motions, like, and what's funny is that there is, and I'm like, you could tell that David Cage was inserting things that have happened in our real world to tell his story, right? I don't have a problem with that at all. It's just that I don't know if he fully understands what he's trying to say in the game. Like, it seems like he's, he's pulling from things that happened because the civil rights movement happened. Like, I don't think he understands the full magnitude of, like, all this, that stuff that happened, because he pulls very blatantly from it in Marcus's story, especially, to drive yeah. that revolution. And there were points at which I was like, okay, this is, this is really heavy-handed. Like, it, it got to the point where I'm like, I, like, I could understand a revolution happening, but the way that it happened was so, like, it was so startlingly similar that have happened, that has happened, that I'm like, you know, when you have to, like, put propaganda everywhere, and yeah. you have to, like, pick a phrase to, like, spray over cars and stuff, some of those phrases actually kind of made me laugh, because I'm like, really, dude? Like, <laughs> you seem like you, it's it's mostly influenced by the fact that I don't think David Cage know, knows what he's trying to say. And the only spark of brilliance that came out of this game, ironically, was in the portion that was the least concerned with that revolution, which was Connor and Hank. Because that's where it succeeded the most for me. That's where I was like, okay, I want to get behind this idea that the androids are, they can be human. You know? Because, like, I wanted Hank to like Connor. I wanted to mend that relationship. And that was the most effective... Like, if the game was just that, I would be completely satisfied with it, you know? Yeah. So, it was, it was mostly the other parts that dragged it down for a number of reasons. Like, Marcus, I was completely detached from, like... Because I... I did enjoy the part in the beginning where, like... I, I felt for him because there are some startling scenes that happen in the beginning, especially when he's in the junkyard. And yeah, that was legitimately unnerving. Yeah, but from the from the moment he picked up that coat, I lost all like I felt like I couldn't connect with him after that because he just became a symbol. And yeah, that's a good way to put it. And from that point, it was hard to connect with him at all. And yeah. Kara was kind of just there, like I felt for Kara, but not in the same way I felt for Connor and Hank's relationship, yeah. which was the driving force of it. And I think that the game was successful, and a lot of my reservations come because I know who David Cage, I know yeah. about him, I know what he's made, and I know what he's done. And it, I, 
like I can't I enjoy a lot of things about this game but I can't in good conscience like support it because of the man that he is and the things that he's done in like I just and I know that he doesn't know what he's talking about and just because there's some brilliant ideas I chalk that up more to his team than to him well yeah like from what I understand he had less to do with this game than usual like there were other writers who kind of picked up the slack and that's probably why it's yeah. more restrained than the other games I might be wrong about that uh, but I have a feeling that that's kind of what happened but See, you know but it's I, I... The, the theme of this of this discussion has been you guys have played his other games and know no no more... you're misconstruing my point you're misconstruing my point I I even taking away the David Cage name on the box I still think this is a garbage game I really do not like it yeah, I, well, I guess we'll just have I, to agree to disagree in that point. But hold on, I let just... me explain. Y'all keep saying that it's because not not King K. I, I love you, King K. Don't. This is directed towards Michael. Um, uh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> uh, the the revolution itself is so extremely poorly handled, it, and like. The, the problem is I'm all too familiar with this type of robot awakening story. I've seen it a million times, which, yes, does conflict with the game itself, and I always like to evaluate a game by its own merits without taking into the cultural context of it first. You know, I like to separate both aspects when I play a game personally. But the thing is, it the story is so by the numbers that no... No matter the twist, I knew exactly how the story was going to play out because I've seen it before and I've seen it done better and it, it's just that I've seen it done better in like iRobot, I've seen it done better in Westworld despite season 2 being kind of whack. And the thing is, I also disagree fundamentally that Detroit Become Human has a good soundtrack. Like. Compare a similar robotic story like Westworld soundtrack with Ramin okay, Dathwadi composing that. I've never seen Westworld. That. I literally know nothing about it, so I have no frame right. of reference. But the music there, it, it, the music of Westworld takes a lot of, uh, it, it covers, it orchestrally covers Radiohead songs. And it, 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 yeah, you're laughing at that, but it's actually really good. And it does a lot of musically very interesting things to get across its point. It also has phenomenal script writing, I think, in the first season, especially with Robert Ford. But you compare that type of story with Detroit Become Human, which has moments that mirror a lot of the same robot revelations and them gaining consciousness and everything, and like becoming human. And it's hard not to see it as just another story that grapples with the age-old question of what defines humanity. We were discussing this shit in my 8th grade bi biology class. Like, I don't know. I, I can't get behind the story because it, it's just so... I don't like the script. I don't like the gameplay. <laughs> I don't like any of the characters besides Connor and Hank. Actually, not even Connor. I like Hank. 
Hank, Hank to me is the don't, most don't interesting. Don't speak bad about fucking Connor. I'll punch you in the face. Okay. All right. Well, I like Connor's Connor. my boy. Connor Connor's is okay. my boy. You don't insult him. But the, the Kara storyline is stupid. The Marcus storyline is stupid. And the Connor one was it, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm a sucker for that type of um, detective shit, you know? I like it in L.A. Noir, which it reminded me of slightly. Um, I like that game. I really do, too. And I, I was having fun in those moments. I would have loved if this game didn't do the sort of tri-story thing and it just focused on Connor and Hank, because that's... And I'm, I'm sure you might at least concede this point, that the Connor and Hank storyline was the strongest in the game. I I am willing to say that it was the most emotionally invested in Connor and Hank's okay. relationship out of everything in the game. Now, would you agree that if Detroit Become Human hypothetically was just that storyline, it would be good? I don't think it would be better off for it, no. Alright, well, I guess we'll have to disagree to disagree. Because those three storylines all kind of like the lar the larger point for me has been on world building and how and those three stories play into each other a lot in building this world and play off of each other as well whereas in one case you're playing as an android trying to maintain the status quo and another one you're playing as an android trying to change the status quo and another one you're just trying to live your life as all of this chaos is happening I don't know. I I don't think that the game would be better off if it was if it was just Connor. I it may be my favorite part of the game, but that does not mean that it should be the only part of the game. And I'm going to just have to agree to disagree with you on a lot of the criticisms you've levied. I just don't agree. I thought this story was really interesting. And like I said, I don't have the frame of reference for Restworld. I've only seen, like, the ending of iRobot on TV once a long time ago. Maybe I just uh, haven't seen as much of this genre as I should have, but for what I got from this game, I was satisfied, and I really enjoyed it. I, I if, if anybody is looking to find a more detailed analysis on... Um Marcus historian general, I would highly suggest a video by Mother's Basement on the subject. I kind of yeah, enjoyed that, that one. one. I really enjoyed that one. It it really helped verbalize a lot of the thoughts that I was feeling about this game. Okay. I don't know. I think we're done with Detroit because he talked about it for 35 minutes. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> why don't we let's give Ryan Let's give Ryan his yeah. space to talk about the game he likes. I mean, honestly, guys, like, I'll be I'll be real. I didn't play a lot of games this year. I mean, I played a lot of smaller stuff, but I just I I just I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna be real with you. Like a lot of the games this year just like really just turned me off. Like, you know, you got Detroit become human. I see what they're doing. And I don't, I don't want to be involved in that kind of stuff. You look over at Far Cry 5, it's like, no, I don't want to be involved with that. Get that out of here. I try to avoid that kind of stuff because I don't want to be, I don't want to, I don't want to see it. 
I see it enough as it is, and I want to avoid it. And then, you know, it's like, oh, hey, well, here's fucking Sea of Thieves, for example. Looks like it's going to be, like, the perfect getaway game where you can just escape all this shit. No weird political messages or whatever on whichever side. I don't care. I don't care. It just looks like a fun game that you can just, you know, lay low and just explore this big open world. But no, you can't even do that because the game's not even finished. And you hear about Fallout 76 and all the shit that's going on with that game. It's just like... And I, I know not every game is like that that came out this year. Like, there are genuinely great games that came out. But it's just... It's not... I mean, maybe it's just like... Western games or like games outside of Japan, maybe? Because like, when, I play, when I'm playing like Shining Resonance, there's no like... Anti or pro Trump references or anything like that. Like, there's none of that kind of shit in like Shining Resonance or in East or in Alliance Alive or any of those kind of games. And that, maybe that's why I just I gravitate th towards those kind of games more. I just, I'm just, I'm tired of it. <laughs> you know? It's like there's always some sort of controversy or some sort of scandal or some sort of propaganda or some, some, some sort of bullshit that, that goes on with these kind of games that just turns me off. And I'm, I'm tired of it. So I'm, I just, I, I skimmed, I skimmed over a lot of them, so I don't really what, have. Hold on, I don't have what much game, to say. Did did you miss something specifically? Like, what do you mean? Well, did he said he didn't play... play Far Cry Five because he was uncomfortable with the, the oh. political undertones. Well, yeah. more so the marketing, because like I know like the whole premise of the game, like the way how you, the best way to play the game of Far Cry Five is if you don't beat it, because the whole point of the game, from what I understood is, you know, it's supposed to say, it's supposed to comment on, like, how in video games, it, you know, shooting everybody and killing anything and everything that moves is encouraged. Well, if you do that in Far Cry 5, you get the, you, you get the worst endings. Like, the two endings that you get by playing the game are considered the worst endings, but the best ending you get is if you don't kill anybody. And I think that's well, really interesting. But the way how they, the way how they marketed that kind of game, especially in this kind of environment that we're in right now, it just it steers me away because I don't want nothing to do with that. I do you know? want to say something funny about that, Ryan, <laughs> that you might like. Just sure. to speak to how stupid Ubisoft is sometimes, mm -hmm. if they're listening. Um, <laughs> you, you are you aware of Far Cry New Dawn? Uh, no, I, I haven't heard of it. So Far Cry New Dawn is the direct sequel to Far Cry Five. It's like um, you know, Far Cry Three Blood Dragon. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So, it takes place after the events of Far Cry 5, which is that, you know, the bad ending. Like, that's what's kind of funny about it, is that originally, your point about the Ubisoft trying to make the point about why shooting people is bad, and, like, you shouldn't just kill everyone, mm -hmm. but now it's devolved into, like, well, actually, it was just a setup for... You DLC. Know, DLC. <laughs> this yeah. new game, which is just completely subverts their entire message and any interpretations you could have from the plot. It's fine. I mean, it, like, I, I get it. You know? I get what they were trying to say before the DLC. I, I, I get it. Yeah. But, like I said, it's like there's always something going on with these kind of games. There's always some sort of controversy or scandal, and I just avoid them. Like, there was no there was no controversy over Shining Resonance. Not a lot of people even played that game. It's pretty good, but no one played it because there's none of that stupid bullshit in it. They were you trying know, to- I did kind of notice this year that there, I don't know, maybe it was 
it's just because of <laughs> what happened with Fallout 76, but it seems like, it felt like a lot of games, like, a lot of, there was a lot more, like, either games came out and they were disappointing, or things blew up, like, in, like, like Fallout 76 was a catastrophe. Yeah. That, yeah. And what's funny is that I mean most people expect Bethesda games to be like that, like buggy, but like I think a lot of people kind of exaggerate like how bad they get. Like 76 is on an entire like it's on a new level of like what the fuck. Like it's been a steady downward trend. And like I get it, like Fallout 4 especially was pretty pretty bad in most areas, but like it was a competent game at its core, you know? But like 76 from what I hear is like fundamentally broken. And it's I don't know, it was this year just felt really strange. Like I I have a host of games I still want to talk about that I liked a lot. So it's not mm. like there were bad games. It's just like it felt like a really weird year for games. It honestly it just for me, it just a lot of it just comes off as incredibly disingenuine and incredibly forced like up uh, like okay so i'm gonna give like two examples of this kind of thing okay because i always try to show both sides so i can show that i'm i'm unbiased with this kind of stuff i try i try to stay as neutral as i can it's you know, okay what, to be biased if you i don't want to be biased though I, okay. I try to look at both sides you know but like on the one side we got like the last of us 2 which that was announced and there was like this whole thing going on about that with the whole kissing and everything like that people say uh they're in love other people say uh they're pushing a message or whatever whatever okay then you look over at doom eternal and they're like oh these you need to they like poke jabs at a piece at a pc culture it's like just stop with that shit just stop you're dating your game you're making your game seem less of a game and more like some okay. sort of oh, social okay. commentary but you're not pause you're not pause. that pause because all right you man <laughs> um I'm just i don't tired of it to, i i understand your concern completely however with doom eternal that's kind of the nature of the doom reboot did you play doom 2016 i haven't no okay well in doom 2016 the entire purpose of the it's like the demons are supposedly the villains, but that's not true because the actual villains of Doom are this capitalist corporation that plans to exploit hell for monetary gain. Like, it it is riddled with, like, corporate doublespeak. It, it, it is a commentary on big business. The, the main villain <laughs> is something Satan. Like, the main villain of Doom is essentially Satan. And he's a businessman. He's not Satan himself. He's a businessman. And the thing about, like, the the remark in Doom Eternal, that is why I, um... Th there's this whole thing. But anyways, it, it has to do with that. It's how corporations are co-opting that, you know? I mean, it's I get like, it. I get it. But I'm just tired of it. Like, when I was watching Venom, for example, like, this is, like, a completely different, uh, like, an example. Like, I was watching Venom, and in the beginning of the movie, like, the main antagonist goes, oh, yeah, you know, there's, like, a, there's a lot of false reports, a lot of fake news. Takes me right out of it. Takes me right out of it, because I know yeah, exactly what are, they're saying. Well, those are a bit of, like, when they're not done well, and they're not used to serve as, like, uh, for me anyway, when they're not used to serve the broader themes, and they're just kind of a little, like, boop. In between there. Well, yeah, but my, my issue roll, is that a lot of the times is that people sure. say this kind of stuff just to say it. 
It's like they poke jabs okay. at one side or they poke jabs at another. It's like, just stop it. Stop. It's annoying. Like, I don't, I, I don't lean either way. Just cut it out. Just make games fun. That's all I care about. I don't know. It just, it was not a good year for me. It's like, if there wasn't something going on, like, that, like some sort of weird, like, agenda that was being pushed, then it was something else entirely. Like, the game wasn't finished, or the game was rushed, or whatever. And I just, <laughs> this year just sucked. It sucked. Ugh. <laughs> That's what I gotta say about that. Okay. Um... Oh, do you want to go next, King K? Sure. I guess. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think about, like, what next to talk about. Oh, well, there was a game that came out this year in a long-running series that you started reviewing. Uh-huh. Uh, let me think. Mario Party? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was Super thinking Mario about Party. something else. Okay. Yeah, Super Mario Party. Alrighty. Alrighty. Super Mario Party. When did that come out? It was like a month ago or something, right? Yeah, November. Mm. Yeah. So. Oh boy. Uh, Super Mario Party. Is good. <laughs> it's. It's um. Okay. It's better than 9 and 10. I'll just say that right out of the gate. <laughs> because I know most people probably think that. It was, it was it was nice to return to an age where it's actually a Mario Party video game, you know? Uh, that was nice. So, I'm glad Mario Party is actually Mario Party again. But, okay, first of all, there are only four boards, and one of them I don't really like. So... Yeah, that's kind of pathetic, There's... by the way. Didn't Mario Party 5 have, like, 10 boards? Uh, not, I don't think quite 10. I think it had, like, 7 or 8 in 5, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't have a lot of experience with 5 in particular. Most Mario Party games seem to have at least 5 or, or 6 boards going. Mostly, probably 6, not five. I don't think any of them only have 5. Mm -hmm. I think it's mostly six. So t six for a range will be like six boards to ten boards, somewhere in between. And Super Mario Party only has four, and it's mostly because they focused on a lot of other modes, like their soundstage, with has which has rhythm-based mini games, or the survival raft thing, where you, which I haven't even played yet, to be honest with you. Um, but I get the gist of it. It's just that it's not Mario Party, so like. I don't really care about it much. So, the thing that aggravates me about Super Mario Party, because it is good at its core, the boards that are good are very good, and the minigames are really good too. I was kind of surprised that pretty much all the minigames are good, only a few of them I have major issues with. It's just that there's so little content in it, and it's because they divvied it out so weirdly. Like, the soundstage is cool. But there are a lot of minigames in Soundstage that aren't in the main party game. Where, like, there aren't a whole lot of minigames, which is another issue. Like, you kind of get repeats often. And I was thinking, like, why are there exclusive minigames to Soundstage when they would work in the main party game if you just put them in there? So, for some reason, they delineate some of these. And... 
there's also the fact that the ally system is fundamentally fucked. Like, it... F the balance of Super Mario Party is fucking laughable. Like, there is... It's... If you get enough allies, you basically win the game. Because there's... There aren't too many shakeups. There's no chance time. No, there's no chance time at all. So the only thing you can do is steal stars from people, which is, I mean, it's great they have that at least. And it is a lower cost, so it does kind of happen more often, but it's, you don't get any crazy shakeups to like, because I, I always liked the crazy, crazy shakeups. You have to have something to, you don't need like a perfect balance. You, you gotta have something to like spice it up, you know? And the fact that there's no chance time, the fact that really the only way you're going to lose a star is if you land on a very bad luck space and it's a one out of five that you're even going to lose a star in the first place, or you get it stolen from someone and you can just go around the board and steal it back, you know? So it feels like it's, and it's oddly luck based in the fact that you, to get allies, you need to land on an ally space and then you get an ally. And you can have, they give you an extra one or two to your roll, and if you have four of them, which you can get, you can get four allies at once, they will, the max that, like, you will get at least a plus four to your roll every turn because you have four allies and they can't roll a zero, they have to roll either a one or a two. You get a fucking plus eight if you're lucky enough. And it, there are some minigames that are team-based where if you have allies, they will help you in the minigame, which is fucking insane. Like, if you don't have any allies, you're fucked over. That's, like, nothing like that has ever happened in Mario Party. It's a little insane to think that they went that far with it. And it's, I don't know, it's, it comes down to the fact that there, it's kind of wildly imbalanced and doesn't have enough content in it. The boards that are in there are good, with the exception of one, which is the one that you have to unlock, which I don't like. <laughs> it's like the Magikoopa one, because it's just a fucking straight line and like, it's really, there's nothing going on in there, like meaningful choice-wise. And the other three boards that are good, two of them I'd argue are like fairly standard and unexciting. And the only one that I, I think has some interesting stuff going on is the King Bob-omb one, which has some interesting stuff going on. It's a rounder board. You have a lot more decisions to make, and it's... Look, Super Mario Party is good, but it lacks content, and it's imbalanced, and it's definitely not one of my favorites. It's a little disappointing, to be honest. I mean, it's, gr it's, more, it's more exciting than 9 and 10, so I guess in in that sense, Mario Party is more exciting now, but it still still annoys me that there are so many Mario Party games that do so many better things that they don't just pull from those fucking games. Yeah, like, it's like how do you how do you fuck up something that you've made nine of before, or eight of before that were fine? Also, I didn't even get into the fact. I can't believe I didn't even get into the fact that there's no fucking online board play still pisses me off. Uh. But I had an entire video dedicated to that, so I don't need to ramble on. It's... Plus, it's fucking self-explanatory. And I have so many people. Oh. <laughs> I have so many people. It would people be too like, hard Party to have online. online boards, King It K. won't work online because the games are too long. <laughs> I had somebody argue that when I was tweeting about fucking Smash Ultimate. I had somebody argue to me, like... You wouldn't, like, Smashdown Online would suck because it would be too long, and I'm like... 
and I just didn't respond. I just turned Twitter off and I left my house and I went driving. And I'm like, what is the world? I'm telling you, man, Twitter's just toxic. No reason to have it. You know, Ryan, I will agree with you. I will concede I deleted that. Twitter. I'm not looking back. Mm-hmm. No, oh. thank you. I okay. Like, I guess the overall point, Super Mario Party is good, but it's really fucking frustrating. There's a good foundation I, there for a good Mario Party later on. <laughs> That's the best yeah. you can say about it, I guess. It's can I talk about concept? Fallout 76 for just a minute? Sure. Go right ahead. Rip it a new one. I don't want to rip it a new one because it is bad. But what I don't like is that you see that it's bad every day on Twitter. But that's how it was for a long time. And like, I don't know. There's something about this point that I was thinking of when Ryan was saying his qualms with Twitter that I don't like about generally all social media is that it's like when I know a game is going to be bad, because you could tell Fallout 76 had no chance. It was going to be bad. From the beta, from the footage, I knew it was going to suck. Beta? You mean the demo? Yeah, the demo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for real, though. I knew it was going to suck, and I knew it sucked. And I, I'm like, I'm going to avoid this like the plague. I'm not playing it. But it's like, I saw so many videos just tearing Fallout 76 a new one. And I don't know. I'm just like so at that sick point, why it. not just move on to something better? Yeah, yeah, and it is different creators doing different things, but like when you have this just saturation of hate and vitriol for well, like what was Bethesda. What's it about this particular Bethesda game that was finally the was straw like that the... broke the camel's back? That's that's what it was. I I honestly think that it was just it, it was the culmination of everything. You know, we had Battlefront around the same time last year with EA and like EA I think got the issue fucking... is more so that this game doesn't know what it wants to be. That's true too. It, it's it, like it, it wants to be like, an MMO, but it also wants to be a Fallout game, but it fails yeah. at doing both. Uh, That's the point. It's like, and Fallout has such a dedicated fan base, and it, it'd be like if if they, I don't know, I don't know what it would be analogous they're to. They're also uh, like the the bugs in it are much more severe than That's Bethesda's true. usual fare, like. Mm-hmm. There were bugs. Somebody was getting... <laughs> there was a player who was getting... You know what tickets are in MMOs, right? Where yeah. a player can submit a ticket to oh, a Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. There was a player who was receiving tickets instead yeah. of the devs. <laughs> so this, this player was receiving tickets. And it's funny at first. And then you realize that that player, with the tickets, was getting all of their um, home addresses. And credit card information. Oh no! Yes. So that—that's the kind of level some of these bugs were at. Uh, there was—I think there was something that was like that fucked with people's like. There was another thing that was kind of on that level, like that. It was like something about like the server giving out in personal information. Yeah. There's a, a lot of that stuff that's like people just aren't willing to deal with because that's like wow. It's it's not the funny thing where like if you put the bucket on the guy's head then he won't see you steal his stuff. It's like 
people's livelihoods are being put at stake by a video game almost like wow jeez oh, you know so I, I can just... kind of un I understand why people are ragging on about it yeah. but it has gone on a little bit too long I mean, like, just a little annoying. I mean, another example, I guess, would also be like The Last Jedi. I don't like that movie at all, but at the same time, I don't like getting like 50 videos explained to me why yeah. the movie's bad. Yeah. It's like, stop it. That's that's how I felt about. Um, I love Red Letter Media, but when they released their Last Jedi review, I was so done with that whole thing. I'm like, I don't, maybe. I even feel this way about all of my videos that I've made on negative topics. You know, like the EA video. I wish I could go back and delete that. Because, mm -hmm. genuinely, I just... I don't... I, I just... The negativity... I, I don't know. It's I mean, here's the tiring. thing with that, though, Haydox, is that at the very least, your video was entertaining, and it was yeah. funny. But I, I just don't want to contribute to this mass negativity that just floats around and then when something comes around for people to latch on to it's there constantly yeah. like it's it's this overarching like energy that follows the gaming community throughout the year until something bad happens and then everybody latches onto it and there are like outpours thousands of videos and tweets and comments and everything and it's like, I don't know, this year for me has symbolized a turn from that into just enjoying a game for what it is and trying, I don't know, like I, mean, I found that's, myself that's, really... That's, like, that's what I was talking about too. Yeah. Where it's like now it's not about playing games and having fun and talking to people about video games and shit like that. It's like now there's always like something else to just, it just, it, it doesn't make it fun to talk about these kind of things anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I love talking to you guys about this kind of stuff. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to stop doing it. But it's just like, oh, hey, did you play that new Smash game? No, but Fallout 76 and blah, 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 blah. Oh, no, but so-and-so. And it's like, I don't care. Play Smash Brothers be, with me. To be fair, it has been like that for a long time. Like it's just, it's, It was so noticeable now, like this year. Yeah. Like, this, like, like, last year was like that, but not to this extent. I mean, Star mm -hmm. Wars Battlefront 2 had a long while of, you know, the same Fallout 76 thing. Uh-huh. Like, that shit went on for a while. Um, and, I don't know. I found a lot of solace in, in just, like, picking up a game, not looking at any videos about it, and then playing it, and then kind of looking at it. Yeah. That's, you know, that's exactly what I've been doing, like, with the games that I have played this year. Like, with East, with Shining Resonance, and Alliance Alive. Like, that's just what I did. It's just like, you know, I saw a few trailers, I'm like, that looks pretty good. Go to the store when it comes out, pick it up, play it, and I liked it. Yeah. You know, like, that's just, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm tired of all this I mean, there, there were... Like, that's the fun, th like, the thing about this year is that it didn't, I don't think it had a shortage of good games, because there are a lot of games that I I have, like, I was writing a list down for my own video, but I just kind of have it up now because it's relevant. Like, there are a lot of games on here that we haven't even talked about that I've played that I really liked, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. uh, what was one? Let's, let's look at this list. 
So there was like, I think we didn't even talk about God of War, which I guess oh, is how did we miss that one? <laughs> well, yeah, I, well, um, at the same time, I thought we were going to save like the bit, like our games of the years for like the last games that we were going to be talking about. Yeah. Yeah, but I think we're getting into that now. I think sure. we've gotten through a lot of the stuff that were lower key, and now we're getting into some of the bigger ones, like. God of War was a pretty big fucking deal when it came out. Um, yeah. Which seemed to lessen as the year went on because there was other stuff for people to latch on to. Mm-hmm. But it won Game of the Year at the Game Awards. I was somehow. really happy yeah. about that. I'm, you know I what, thought, Hadox? I thought Red Dead 2 you, was going to win that. You know what, Hadox? I'm glad. I'm glad for you. <laughs> I'm glad for you. I can see where this is going, Ryan. <laughs> I, mean, I, well, I mean, it's not like... God of War, I don't have, like, an intense hatred for it. It's just, it's not my God of War. Hashtag not Ooh, Ryan's God so of do War. You wanna, do you want to get into the God of War discussion oh right now? Gosh. Oh, yeah. are we going to have enough time to get into I, the God of War discussion? I have things discussion? to say about it. Yeah, I did, too. Because I beat it. I did, too. Um, the, maybe I mean, this will be I, the last like, game that maybe we discuss for this, ex- this session. Well, I gotta talk about my game of the year. Yeah, well, I we'll thought probably you didn't have to go until like these. another hour, Haydox. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Oh, it's already 8 now? Shit. I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was 8.30. Yeah. Well, it's 8.04. No. 8.04. Oh, okay. We can, we can do another session after this. If that's cool okay. with y'all. I apologize, audience. I have final essays, and well, um, it's, you can't really fault them. It's finals week. I had to do one last night, which is why I had to cut that short too, because yeah. I had a final essay due last night. Pretty yeah, much the exact due, same situation because it's finals yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> mine's due tomorrow as well. All right, you don't go to college. <laughs> All right. Well. Um, well, maybe we can talk about to... a couple shorter games and then save God of War and some of the bigger ones for next time. Because Detroit okay. kind of ate up a lot of time today. Yeah. Um, like, one right. I was looking at that we didn't talk about was The Messenger, which I know that King K played. I've never even heard of it. I didn't. I, the only, the only Messenger it. I care about is that one Lincoln Park song. <laughs> Damn right, son. <laughs> yeah. Um, Haydox, how much time do you, would you say you have? Uh, I would say 15 minutes. Okay, that's good enough. Um, yeah. The Messenger was really, really, really good. And and some, I don't think some people actually agree. Like, I, I know people liked it, but there, I remember putting out my video, and there was a lot more pushback than I expected. Yeah, that's weird. Because I thought, like, because the, there were people who were like, oh, the Metroidvania portion really sucked. And I, I don't... I can kind of get it, but I didn't really feel the same way. I kind of enjoyed myself the whole way through because the thing about it is that, sure, the Metroidvania portion of the Messenger is not like some outstanding Metroidvania. Like, it's, I'd rather, like, as a Metroidvania, I'd rather play Metroid or Hollow Knight or anything that you could put in that camp. But that wasn't the point of the game the, for me. The point of the game was that there were so many twists in it and that was one of them where like it was a classic platformer for a while and then all of a sudden you're like oh now you can like go through those levels as if they were a metroidvania like the fact that it was a it was presented like a twist and that there were so many other little story twists and like things that surprised me in an age where i feel like i don't get surprised very often 
And it wasn't the fact that, like, because I knew that part of it was a Metroidvania. It was just in the moment, it felt very surprising. So I'm like, wow, they really did that, you know? They really made levels that work, at least on a base level, maybe not like flawlessly, but they work as a Metroidvania as well as just levels that you platform through, which is kind of a, a pretty cool thing that they did. Because as you're going through the classic levels, you're like, probably at some point I can come back here and do other things. And that's what you do. You go back and you do other things and you collect stuff that give you upgrades and new moves. And it's like a really good mashup of those two ideas. One right back, like back to back classic platformer into Metroidvania. And it, it's a really efficient game that gets a lot of use out of the content that it has. And there are like four new areas when you get into the Metroidvania portion, which are also just classic platforming that you can explore the level. like. It's kind of like it's a classic platformer where eventually you can explore the levels to a higher degree because they give you power-ups that let you do that in a similar way to a Metroidvania and less in a similar, like... It's less like Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze where you can go into secret rooms or whatever just like as soon as you go. It's more like you get an item like in a Metroidvania that lets you access an area that you've already been through but it's that the world is set up like it's a classic 2D platformer that you go in one direction for. But they do they do accommodate for that by giving you uh, flat, fast travel points. It probably could have used a few more because it does kind of feel like you go through a few areas a little too much because some of them are... Some of the points that you fast travel to are sparse, but um, that's probably why some people didn't like that portion of the game. But I think they over-exaggerate a little bit how bad it actually was, because it was just a little annoying sometimes. It was about it. And I'd say that's a small portion of the stuff that I didn't like about it, because the stuff that it nailed was really good. Like, it had... It was really fun platforming. There was really great boss fights in it. And boss fights are pretty hit and miss for those kinds of games, so... Um, I It was just like a really pleasant little surprising game that came out of nowhere for me that I really liked. And I haven't even played Ninja Gaiden, and that's apparently it's inspired by that, but... Uh, it's... I don't know why it, like... It's it's a fun little game, you know? And it, it, it messed some things up, sure, but it, like... The Metroidvania portion of that game is not a terrible garbage fire or anything. It's fun. Like, I, like, it's not a great Metroidvania, but it was... It was more the twist that mattered. To me. So. Mm-hmm. And I wish more people would play it. Just like I wish more people would play Iconoclast. But at least, I think the Messenger got more... I think the Messenger got more reception than Iconoclast even got, so... Mm. That was good, at least. I mean, the Messenger was on the Game Awards, and it won a thing, I think, so... Yep. That's good, at least. Uh... So, Haydox, uh, how much time do you think we'd need to talk about Spyro? Would you want to save that for later? Oh my gosh, no, that... <sighs> that would be a while. Uh, there, there's a lot like to I talk about with that game. Too much to say about myself, but if you if you feel differently, we can save it for next time. I uh, mean, there's there's a lot to touch on with Spyro, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot to other... touch on with Spyro Three. Well, looking at my list, uh. Wasn't, mm. wasn't Tales of Vesperia supposed to come out this year? No, or did it comes it get out delayed? next year. Okay. 
Uh, it might have originally been December, but it's in January now. Okay. Um, I think I could I could quickly talk about. Uh, has anybody else played Octopath? I haven't got a chance to play it. No, I have it, but I haven't played it yet. I could probably knock that out because um, I just everything think the else music I'd is have good. too much. Everything else I'd have too much to say about. Mm-hmm. But um, oh well, if we're talking about good music, I think Shining Resonance probably has my favorite. I, I mean, soundtrack. I was going to bring up Delta Rune, but that's a can of worms because even though it's a short game, there's like much like Final Fantasy 15, the game's not finished yet. <laughs> There's a lot of things you can talk about with Delta Rune, surprisingly. But Octopath, I could probably say, because I, Octopath was also a surprising game, because I didn't expect to like it. I outright didn't expect to like it, as opposed to The Messenger, where I was, I didn't really know it existed. Octopath, I did know it existed, and I was like, I'm not going to like this game, so why bother? But I had, I had a moment where I'm like, I want to try new things this year, so there we go. And voila, I like it a lot. I, it's kind of... It does get to a point sometimes where it feels a little too difficult and that kind of turned me off from like there was a point where I was really into it and then after a while I was like just playing it sparsely but it doesn't invalidate the parts of it that I liked a lot like I like the battle system I think it's inspired by Bravely Default's system I don't I'd like it's it has like you can build up power and use multiple moves in the same turn is that how Bravely Default worked Something like that, yeah. It's pretty similar, and it's I liked like, that a lot. You know, there are a lot of jobs default, that you can pick like, from. Really default, if I remember right, you can like stack up turns. Yeah, and then you can. That's just basically what you do them. in this one. Yeah. Um, and it has the same job system, and I really like all the characters. I know they don't get a lot of. There's not a lot of crossover between them until the end, and it's mostly saved for like tales, like skits that they interact in. But I but like that kind of shit, though. You know? Like, yeah, they, it's... I guess the problem is that when you're going through their individual stories, during the stories, the characters don't interact, which feels jarring. But the the reason that it's written that way is because you can go about their stories any way that you want, mm -hmm. you know? So they kind of have to write it like that, because if they had to account for a character being there, then they would have to write so many, like so many different choices that at some point you just couldn't make that game you know because it'd be too much you'd be like well if you're going into Therian's story and you have this other character then that other character has to be a part of it but not the other ones but if you go into Therian's story with like all the characters then all the characters have to be present so that's why they didn't write it that way because it would just get really confusing really fast and they'd have to write for so many conflicting scenarios and it was it's just like it's almost impossible to do something like that. They could probably pull it off, but it would, the game wouldn't even be out yet if they were trying to do that. And I, I understand. And I do like the individual stories. It's kind of set up like the entire game feels like a D&D campaign split up between different characters that all come That's together. And yeah. they, they're like adventurers that each have their own agenda that they just help each other fulfill. Mm. And I like that a lot. And it's like... There's not like a real overarching like evil that they're fighting until the end. But that ending is built up by very small little things that you might not notice that are that link each story together based on their objectives. Like Therian has to go after some orbs and you're like, "Okay, these are just some orbs, right?" 
But then, like, that part of that story contributes to the ending, where, like, oh, those orbs are actually kind of important. But you wouldn't notice, because that's just the objective that Therian has to fulfill. So there's really cool stuff like that that makes it interesting to go through the entire thing. And it sold me, a person who was not... who has tried, like, maybe eight different times to play Final Fantasy VI and always gave up. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, Uh-oh. Don't say that. Um... I know that game's so even as a person who's not generally into turn-based six is just stuff. kind of boring. Uh oh! Don't say that. Don't the you know that Final Fantasy good, VI got? But the battle but system is just IGN's every number one Final RPG Fantasy. of all time. The 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 story is good, and the characters are good, but the actual gameplay is like a step back from Final Fantasy V in every way. Well, you could break the game like a cookie if you know what you're doing. Yeah, well, I know it's it's too big a discussion to get into. I find I played Final Fantasy V and it's like, wow, this is fantastic. And I played six and I'm like, okay, this is like RPG for babies by I mean, comparison. You, you might you might enjoy Octopath, Michael, because from what I understand, that it's the same job system mm -hmm. with a twist in the turn-based combat, wherein you can store power and use multiple moves at once. But if you if you use too many of those things, then you have to like sit a turn out. So you have, it's really interesting and cool. Okay. So you might be into that. Uh, as, as long as they don't overcomplicate it, I'll, I'll probably like it. So yeah, it's pretty manageable. Or he could play Shining Resonance with that, which has trashy anime girls and boys. Oh, Everyone's trashy anime favorite. boys! Now you're speaking my language. Actually, not gonna lie, one of the dudes is actually kind of hot. <laughs> not gonna, you know, and that's also kind of a pun because he uses like he he's like a fire elemental, and he uses a fucking electric guitar as a battle axe, and his fucking sh it's dope as shit. He has his peck sticking out, he's like, bruh. <laughs> that game is like my guilty pleasure of the year. It's not a bad game. You brought it up like not ten a great times, one. Ryan. What happened? You brought up well, yeah, because like it's just it's such like you know how you were talking about like how Kirby's Epic Yarn was like wearing like a, a snuggly blanket. Yes, and that was kind of shining resonance for me because it's just like like the game itself is mechanically it's fine, flawed up the ass with its pacing. Like this, you have to explore like this big world, but there's no fast travel. It's like what? But you know, like when you explore the extra dungeons, you know, and then you like. You level up the characters, and then you get like discussions with the characters, like the ta like uh, like the tail skits from like the Tales of games. You get those kind of things. You build relationships with the actual characters, and like they just kind of like bounce off of each other. It was it's just it was really charming. It was really sweet. It was really fun. Like I loved the characters in this game. Probably not the most original characters, but they did the job well enough, and it was kind of a big deal for me because. I'm a fan of the Shining brand of you know, that Sega has, like Shining in the Darkness and uh, Shining Force, Shining Soul. I like those games, so I was glad to see that this was coming back. This was the first Shining game to be released in North America since, like, Shining Force EXA on the PS2. And no one even knows what that is! So, I'm just- I'm glad to see that it came back. Not a great game by any stretch of the imagination, but it's fun. It's charming. It's sweet. And I liked it, even though it was pretty trash. Yeah, I guess that's it for this one. That's all I gotta say about that. Alright. I guess well, the next one will have stuff like 
God of War and probably Spider-Man and all those other things. And hentai Over games. Hentai. Stay tuned. <laughs> all right. Wait, goodbye. <laughs> For a video version of the podcast, please visit our YouTube channel at https colon forward slash forward slash www.youtube.com slash c slash inversecast. The music used in this podcast is as follows. Airport Lounge, Apro Hour, Beachfront Celebration, Bosa Antigua, Chucky the Construction Worker, Continue Life, Deuces, Dirt Roads, Dispersion Relation, District, Eternity, Hard Boiled, Honey Bee, In Your Arms, Lobby Time, Matt's Blues, Mining by Moonlight, No Good Layabout, Octablues, Samba Isobel, Shades of Spring, Sidewalk Shades Slower, Somewhere Sunny Version 2, Water Droplets on the River, White, and Winter Chimes. All of these tracks were composed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and are licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. You can find this license at http colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by forward slash 3.0 forward slash. This episode was edited by Exoparadigm Gamer, who you can check out on YouTube at https colon forward slash forward slash www.youtube.com forward slash user forward slash exoparadigm gamer. Feel free to check out our solo efforts on YouTube and Twitter by visiting our official SoundCloud profile and clicking on the external links. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day.